0: So nice to see you, so glad you're here. Oh, 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 we wanna know Jesus. We wanna grow like him. We wanna know Jesus.
1: Oh, well, good morning, welcome, nice to see you. If you're outside, can I encourage you to head back inside? What a lovely morning. Nice to see the sun out again. Gosh. We're going to be continuing our series on 1 Samuel. This is week three, so we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter three. I'm going to ask Victor to come and read this morning's passage. Thank you, Victor.
0: I will be reading from 1 Samuel 3. Um, 1 to 18, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord when the ark of god where the ark of god was then the lord called samuel samuel answered here i am and he ran to eli and said here i am you called me but eli said i did not call you go back and lie down so he went and lay down again the lord called samuel and samuel got up and went to eli and said here i am you called me my son eli said i did not call you go back and lie down now samuel did not yet know now samuel did not yet know the lord the word of the lord had not yet been revealed to him a third time the lord called samuel and samuel got up and went to eli and said here i am you called me then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I will judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What, what was it that he... Said to you, Eli asked, Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything He told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes.
1: Thanks, Victor. This is a fabulous passage. It's a preacher's paradise. Um, This morning, I'm going to give you uh, a tapas menu, three short, separate bitings, three talks for the price of one. What a bargain. And my prayer is that God's Spirit will use this talk to challenge us and transform us in the way that he has challenged me through this passage. You know, God's Word should do that. Um, Information is good, but transformation is better. And I've been thinking this week about the marks of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And I heard someone speak last week, and they expressed it so nicely in this way. That our hopes are changed, our hearts are changed, and our habits are changed. So Father, that's a, a prayer this morning, that through your word, you'd change our hopes, our hearts, and our habits. Amen. So what's on the, the menu today? I've offered you a tapas menu. What's on the menu? Three things. Learning, listening, mastering, mentoring, and shocking, surrendering. Learning, listening, mastering, mentoring, and shocking, surrendering. And if you're anything like me, you often get to kind of one o'clock on a Sunday, you've forgotten already what the talk you heard was about. So when your friend asks you at lunchtime today, what was the talk about? That's what you say, learning, listening, mastering, mentoring, shocking, surrendering. Maybe say it to your neighbor to just reinforce it, learning, listening, Mastering, mentoring, shocking, surrendering. We've got a chance now of holding on to that after 12.30. So let's start with learning, listening. The passage we've read begins with silence. Verse 1. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. The story begins not with God speaking, but with God's silence. God's silence frustrates me. When I want to see God speak urgently, he often seems silent. I'm guessing that may be true for you too, but that's his way. You see, learning listening begins when we start by embracing silence. We won't learn to hear God well unless we learn to love silence. The psalmist said, Be still and know that I'm God. Hearing God matters. Hearing God, I think, changes everything. I can look back and see multiple times where my life direction and my attitude have changed because of hearing from God. Hearing God changes everything. And you see, hearing is believing now, we think that seeing is believing, but I think hearing is believing. Doubting Thomas thought seeing was believing. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. But I think hearing is believing. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Hearing Jesus transforms us. Our hopes are changed, our hearts are changed, and our habits are changed. And God loves to speak. Job 33, 14 says this, God still speaks. Now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. I love that verse. God still speaks. Now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. You know, sometimes when God speaks, we don't hear. Sometimes because we're not listening, and sometimes because we, if we're honest, we don't want to hear what God has got to say. I'm sure those of you who've got children have those moments where you've given them an instruction, they do not want to hear what you, they, uh, what you want to say to them, and you're probably familiar with the variations where the kid puts their fingers in their ears and goes la 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 la. <laughs> and the reality is, we can just do a, a grown-up, adult view of that we got. You know, we invite the noise of busyness or the noise of social media or the noise of overwork or the noise of social life or the noise of Netflix to the noise that drowns out God. Learning listening begins when we embrace silence. And all the introverts say, Amen. And in this passage, we've got a boy, Samuel, probably around 12 years old. And God speaks to him, and initially he doesn't realise it. And we can be just the same. We may not recognise God's voice when he's speaking. And God's speaking doesn't guarantee us hearing. We've got to learn to listen and learn to recognise his voice. And of course, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and my sheep know my voice and Samuel hears God audibly and that's rare I've never heard God audibly on only a few occasions in the Bible does God seem to speak audibly and this is one so before we plow on it's worth just quickly recapping how does God speak today So we're going to rattle through this. And I've got this list, probably in reverse order, of how common it is, uh, least common first. Uh, The theologians out there can argue with me about my priority. But here's a a quick list of the ways I think God speaks. It's through the audible voice. We've just seen that through Samuel. And Moses had that too at the burning bush. God can speak through strong emotions or physical feelings. You know it talks about how the Old Testament prophets just wept, overcome with a strong emotion. And Jesus talks of the peace of God which passes all understanding, guarding our hearts. So God can speak through strong emotions. But emotions, of course, are a, a, a gauge and not a guide. If you allow emotions to become a guide, you're on a slippery slope. God can speak through dreams. Joseph was the interpreter of great dreams, all through visions. You know, Peter had that wonderful vision of uh, animals coming down in a blanket from heaven. Unclean food. God can speak through our conscience. Paul says, My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. God can speak through sudden recall. Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I've said to you. God can speak through creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. God can speak through other people. Maybe when people share something that impacts you, or maybe through a prophetic message. And because later on in this passage, Samuel brings something prophetic to Eli. God can speak through circumstances. There was that wonderful account of Jonah getting caught up inside a big fish. Circumstances, even if they're ugly, can be a way God communicates. And of course, the main way God communicates is through his word, through the Bible, through the the living word. God breathes sharper than any two-edged sword, a lamp to our feet. God's word is truth. So that's how... God may communicate and I'm sure there are many others. And of course it's great to understand the the methods by which God speaks but that's not enough. I may well know that the method to lose weight is cutting calories and exercising more but understanding the method doesn't do anything at all to my waistline. Sadly I've got to apply the methods. This needs time and discipline and intimacy. You know, we hear someone best when we get close to them. We hear when we listen intently. We hear when we remove distraction. And in this passage, we've got this wonderful verse, that standout verse where... Samuel is coached to pray this great prayer, verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And Samuel's been around the temple for years, but he hadn't intimately encountered God. You know, in verse 7 it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the same can be true of us. So we can be in and around the church space for years and years, but not know Jesus deeply. Maybe not in a way that allows him to speak to us profoundly. For Samuel, learning listening was transformative. It was the beginning of his leadership journey. It was the beginning of his prophetic ministry. Learning listening. To listen to Jesus changes us. Our hopes are changed. Our hearts are changed. Our habits are changed. So that's learning, listening. Now, mastering, mentoring. I love reading in this passage about the relationship between Eli and Samuel. Samuel. And I do find it astounding as Mwangi commented last week that Samuel's mother, Hannah, places Eli into sorry, places Samuel into Eli's permanent care. You know, would you entrust your firstborn precious son into the care of a man who's got two sons who are notoriously promiscuous? If you want to do that. Good luck. But Eli actually proves a very capable and caring mentor to Samuel. And before we go on, I need to just explain briefly what I mean by mentoring. And here's my definition of mentoring. Mentoring is a learning relationship developing a set of skills or character that is crucial to continuing a practice or way of life. The mentor shares knowledge, skills, and experience that helps the mentee to progress. So four things in this mentoring masterclass that demonstrate Eli's prowess as a mentor. Four things we can apply. First, Eli somehow was capable of handling cultural and age barriers in his relationship with Samuel. Great mentors can do this. Second, Eli was a man of prayer who was able, eventually, to recognise what God was doing and provide instruction. Now, Eli had spent a lifetime devoted to the daily and sometimes mundane work of prayer. Great biblical mentors do that. Third, Eli put Samuel's best interests above his own. And fourth, Eli trusted God profoundly. And I believe that every Christian needs to be both be mentored and be a mentor. Because I think it's one of the ways that our hopes are changed. Our hearts are changed, our habits are changed. Now, relationships are the primary way I think God uses for our spiritual growth. And in this kind of casual society today, deep relationships are often lacking. And mentoring is such a great way to grow Jesus followers. You know, we talk here at Renewal about know Jesus, grow like Jesus, do what Jesus did, and a biblical mentor will make that happen mentoring is more than passing on knowledge about God it involves showing people how to love God and how to serve God and if you're curious about mentoring there's just multiple examples in the Bible which you can look at Paul and Timothy Jethro and Moses Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha Naomi and Ruth Barnabas and Paul It's there throughout Scripture. Mentoring which is relationship-based, highly interactive, ongoing, goal-oriented, purposefully aligned. So who are you mentoring? And who's mentoring you? Now without Eli's mentoring, Samuel would never have got to hear God. One of the best mentors I have ever Observed is a lady called Isabella. I first met her when she was, I think, in her, in her 70s. And I was in my 20s. Uh, and I was kind of coordinating a, a church Sunday school group at the time. And I needed someone to oversee to run the 11 to 14 group, which is always such a difficult group to run. And I'm not sure why I decided to approach Isabella about leading that group, because she definitely was not your kind of go-to person to lead a group of emerging teenagers. But she was fabulous. She loved those kids. She was warm and calm and creative and caring. And she would lovingly scold them when she needed to. And she modelled a life of pursuing Jesus. And she was profoundly transformative in their lives. A really unlikely mentor. And maybe you look at yourself and think, you know, who am I to be a mentor? Don't disqualify yourself because of your age or stage. Find someone too who can mentor you. So we've got learning, listening, mastering, mentoring, and we have shocking surrendering. Surrendering. You know, when we read this passage, the focus is often on the apparent hero, Samuel. And the standout verse is always the verse we read already, verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And our kind of hearts are captured by this verse, the whole idea of a young boy eager to hear God and the idea of a God who speaks clearly, powerfully, audibly, prophetically. And in this story, I'm sure all of us would love to be Samuel, young and eager and passionate, serving God in a temple, growing, learning, hungry for the things of God, dedicated, focused and on fire, ready to take on the world. Speak, Lord, if your servant is listening, bring it on. But the reality, if I'm honest, is that I find my affinity in this story not with Samuel, but with Eli. Getting on a bit. Been around the scene for a while. Pretty faithful in the temple most of the time. Sometimes turning a blind eye to stuff that's going wrong. Having some pretty dysfunctional folk around them particularly family. You know, when I see myself more in Eli than in Samuel, a leader who couldn't tell the difference between a woman praying and someone who had too much to drink. Oops. You know, sometimes my passion ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'm fully committed. Sometimes I'm a bit half-hearted. Sometimes my judgment is poor, and sometimes I struggle at a spot when God is speaking. But still faithful, still serving in the temple, still trying to be a reasonable mentor. Maybe a little jaded, but still serving, but still able to pray a blessing on those seeking God passionately. And maybe you, like me, feel more in common with Eli than you do with Samuel. And the standout prayer for me is not actually verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But verse 18. Eli says this. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And this is shocking surrendering. This is true followership this is saying Eli is saying Lord whatever you want is fine by me this is Eli saying Lord I'm I'm bending the knee once again even if it looks what's coming down the line is ugly shocking surrendering you see surrender is easy if you like what's coming But what if the price of surrender is costly? What if surrender means loss of status or loss of friendship or loss of finance? What if surrender will hurt? What if surrendering to our good and loving Father means that obedience will take us on a path that's unclear or uncertain or unwelcome? And Eli's response captivates me. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Shocking surrender. When Job was going through tough times, he says something similar. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Wow. You see, our life finds meaning in surrender. Culture says, find your purpose, play to your strengths. And Jesus said, first you surrender, follow, obey. He is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes shocking surrender I wonder what that means for you because I think this is how our hopes are changed our hearts are changed and our habits are changed my obedience to Jesus has cost me friends and relationships and reputation and money at times and it's caused far too many tears but I would have had it no other way, he is the Lord let him do what is good in his eyes so we have learning listening mastering mentoring shocking surrendering Should we pray together, let's stand and we'll pray together Jesus, we simply want to start by being still, by being silent, by inviting you to speak to us once again. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Holy Spirit we welcome you consciously intentionally in this place Let's invite the Holy Spirit to highlight to us anything which he wants to to show us, to point out to us. This morning to offer prayer to anyone who wants to meet with God afresh. If it's an area you know you're struggling to surrender. Then, I'll just invite you to head down towards the front, on the left or the right, and someone will come and pray with you. i particularly this morning to offer prayer for anyone who's just struggling to surrender with a family that's dysfunctional. <laughs> that wonderful prayer of Eli, knowing that his sons have gone off the rails. Maybe you've got people in your own families who you know are making decisions which just aren't good for them. And you have to surrender to that at times. Say, Lord, I don't like this, but I'm going to surrender. It's as if we're honest, it's so hard to surrender.
0: It's a scary
1: thing. Thank you that you know our hearts, you know our struggle. And you reach out with compassion and meet with us at our point of need. going to continue in worship do you like prayer for anything I mentioned or just love We'd just love someone to stand with you today and pray then come forward if you're on staff team or group leader or ministry leader or familiar with praying for people you're welcome to pray for those who are looking for prayer support today so nice to
0: see you